I believe that this is going to be one of the most impactful series that we've ever done at our church. And I just want to encourage all of you men, would you make a commitment to be here over the next several weeks? Uh, maybe you don't attend church regularly, and I, I, I understand that. But I really believe God's got something special for you. I believe there's destiny inside of you and purpose inside of you that you're not, you're not even aware of. God has created you to be a man of God, a man of excellence, a man of standard. And I believe over these next several weeks, God's going to really encourage and equip you to be who he's called you to be. Here's what I want you to know about me. I don't believe in beating up people. I know oftentimes men get a bad rap and on Mother's Day, we celebrate the mothers and on Father's Day, we beat up all the men. Well, that's not going to happen here. I want to encourage you. I want to equip you to be who God has called you to be. So be here, be here. Make a strong effort to be here every week and let God shape and mold us men into who he's called us to be. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus, the ultimate fighter. Jesus, the ultimate fighter. Have you ever heard somebody say something and you misunderstood them? I mean, they knew what they were saying, but when you heard it, you misunderstood it. You interpreted it another way than how they meant it. And I remember when I started dating my wife, my wife is, she's from up north. She's a northern girl. She went to spend the first half of her life there in, in Nebraska and then moved there from Nebraska to Wisconsin and went to junior high and high school when she there in Wisconsin. So she is a northern girl. And we were talking one time when we started dating and Tiffany said something like this to me. I, I got to go get my big. Huh? She said, yeah, I, I got to go get my big. I was like, huh? And she knew what she was saying, but I didn't understand it. And what she was saying in Oklahoma interpretation was, I got to go get my bag. I'm like, girl, we don't say big in Oklahoma. It's called a bag, not a big. And uh, I, I mean, she, she knew what she was saying, but I didn't quite grasp it. And, and, and there was one time Tiffany was talking to me when we first started dating and she said, yeah, you know, something like this. My family and I, we went down to the, to, 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 to the creek. To the creek. Like, I don't have a creek in my neck. She said, yeah, we went down to the creek. Like, to the creek. And what she was saying, Oklahoma interpretation is, my family and I went down to the creek. I'm like, girl, that's not called a creek. It's called a creek. I let her whole family know that's not a creek. It's a creek. I mean, it's spelled C-R-E-E-K. How y'all get crick out of that? But anyhow, she knew what she was talking about. But I didn't understand it. I misunderstood what she was talking about. And one of the statements we say at church that many people misunderstand, and I'm going to say this statement right now, and I know what I mean. But when I say it, some of you will misinterpret it and misunderstand it and, and think about it in a way that I don't mean it. Here's the statement. You need to follow Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. And some of you right now, you, you're thinking a totally different thing than what I mean when I say that. Matter of fact, there are men that actually believe this and say this. They think, you know, I don't know about following Jesus. I mean, I want to be a Christian, kind of, but that following Jesus, I mean, Jesus is kind of wimpy. He's got long hair, lovey-dovey. Turn the other cheek, just kind of no backbone Jesus, just really, just really meek and sweet. 
I don't know if I want, no, let me tell you something. If you think that about Jesus, that's not the Jesus in the Bible. I'm going to tell you the Jesus in the Bible was a man's man. The Jesus in the Bible is the ultimate fighter. And men and women, he is worth following him with your life. He is not some weak-willed, no-backbone wimp. That is not the Jesus in the Bible. And so what I want to do today, I want to teach from a very non-traditional Easter passage of Scripture. And I want to shed some light to you that you may have never heard about who Jesus is. Listen, he is the ultimate fighter. I want to give you four qualities. Four qualities you must know about Jesus. Four qualities. Number one is this. He is faithful and true. You can follow along with me in your bulletin. There's a place for you to fill in the blanks, take some notes. He is faithful and true. If you have a Bible... Just grab it and open it up and turn it to Revelations 19. Revelations is the last book in the Bible, chapter number 19. All of my points are going to come from Revelations chapter number 19. The the Word of God says this beginning in verse number 11. Now this entire passage is talking about Jesus, describing Jesus to us. It says, I saw heaven standing open. Let me pause here and do a quick teaching. I want you to understand something today. Because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, because he hung, bled, and died, today heaven is open. Heaven is open for business today. I do not want you to get to it, step into eternity. And on judgment day, you find out now that heaven is closed. I don't want you to have that excuse. I want you to know right now, because Jesus died on the cross, there is an open heaven. Heaven is open for business and Jesus today can wash away your sins. Heaven, heaven is open for business. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider talking about Jesus is called faithful and true. Keep your hand, your finger over there in Revelations 19. I'm going to go quick over to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. I want you to hear what the Bible says about Jesus here. It says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the amen talking about Jesus. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Notice that these scriptures do not call Jesus by his real name, but by his attributes. Faithful and true. Friends, when you hear the words, Jesus Christ, one of the things that should pop in your mind is this. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is true. Listen, Jesus is faithful to his promises. Jesus is faithful to do what he said he would do. And not only is he faithful, but the Bible says that Jesus is true. Hear me today. You can believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Because Jesus is true. Listen, friends, it's true that Jesus is the Son of God. He's a real Jesus that lived on this earth. It's true that Jesus was born through a virgin named Mary. That's true. And there would be some that would argue, I don't believe that somebody could be born through a virgin. I mean, come on. That, you Christians believe all that supernatural stuff. I don't, I don't believe all that supernatural stuff. And there would be people that would argue that. I don't believe somebody could be born through a virgin. I don't believe in supernatural stuff. And yet they'll go home every night and read their horoscope. You don't believe in... Oh, okay. 
It's true that Jesus lived a sinless life. He was perfect. He never blew it. He never made a mistake. It's true that Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood for our sins and he hung and he died. It's true that Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. It's true that Jesus on the third day rose again with all power in his hands. It's true. It's true. Some would say, well, I don't believe in life after death. I don't believe that somebody could get up from the dead. I don't believe that. I believe when you're dead, you're dead. And yet there are people that would argue that, and then they'll turn around and call a pet psychic up. And there are people literally that call up pet psychics and go visit them and want to talk, find out about their animal. And, and, and I actually Googled it on the Internet and found a website. I would give it to you, but some of y'all would go check it out and call the number. So I ain't, ain't going to do that today. I, I already know. And, and there, was a, there, was a lady, there was a lady with a website. And she, she said, I can talk to your pet. Tell you how your pet's doing, what your pet's feeling, what you need to do with your pet. And not only that, here's what tripped me out. And she said, not only can I talk to your pet, I can talk to your dead animals. Yeah, any animals you got, they're dead. Oh, she can communicate with the dead. She can tell you how your, how your dog is doing in puppy heaven. I mean, she can, she can tell you about dad. And I'm like, lady, listen, listen. If you that bad and you that tough, I want you to talk to an alive animal and have my dog come cook for me a steak. I mean, if you... And people will believe that they'll believe they'll go to a psychic, a pet psychic, talking to dead dogs and animals, and yet they don't believe that Jesus rose again from the dead on the third day. And I'm here to submit to you, it's true. Today, Jesus is alive and well and seated at the right hand of the Father. It's true in my prayer, my prayer, my prayer, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart today and remove any doubt. And you would realize that Jesus is faithful and true. And sir and ma'am, he's worthy of following. There's a second thing that I want you to know about Jesus. A second quality you must know. Number two is this. He's passionate. He is passionate. The scripture says in Revelations 19, verse number 11 and 12, it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice. He judges and makes war. Jesus is not a wimp. <laughs> I mean, this guy judges. He makes war. This guy has a backbone. This is a man's man. This is an ultimate fighter. Verse number 12 talks about his passion again. It says his eyes are like blazing fire. How many know somebody who's got eyes like fire? Boy, that's passion. How many know that? That's a passionate person. You know, you see somebody on the basketball court and they're making shot after shot after shot after sharp shot. We say that man or that woman is on. They're on fire. And I want you to know that Jesus is on fire. His eyes are like blazing fire. This man is passionate it goes on to say and on his head are many crowns he had he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself jesus is passionate and here's the deal he's not only passionate but jesus is passionate about the right things about the right things did you notice that the bible says with justice everybody shout justice with justice he judges and makes war. Yes, he was, he's going to judge. Yes, he's going to make war, but it does it for the right reason. He's passionate about the, he's passionate about the right things. He judges and makes war, war to save the righteous, to punish 
the wicked. Jesus is not some wimp. He's not some pushover. He's a passionate ultimate fighter. And his passion is not misguided. He's passionate about the right things. Let me give you an example of Jesus, how he was passionate about the right things. Look with me in Matthew 21 real quick. Matthew 21, going to pick up reading in verse number 12. Here's what the scripture says, Matthew 21 and verse 12 about Jesus and his passion. It says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out. Everybody say drove out. Oh, I like that. He drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. I mean, check this out. Jesus comes into the temple, into God's house. He sees thieves and robbers and buying and selling, and he's upset. And passion begins to whelm up in his heart. And he begins to drive people out of the temple. He begins to overturn the table. Some of y'all would call that rude. You see, you thought Jesus was just, would y'all please stop that? Pretty please, pretty. No, uh, 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 uh. That's not the Jesus in the Bible. He was. He walked into that temple. He saw them. He started overturning tables. Get out of here. John chapter two says he had a whip. Get up out of here. Get out of this temple. What y'all doing up in? And he started driving folks out the temple. Start overturning tables. He was passionate about the right things. And the scripture lets us know about the right things. Verse number 13, it says, it is written. He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus was passionate about the right things. Every man in this place, you're passionate. You are a passionate man. Some of you would argue that with me. You would say, Herbert, if you get to know me, I'm not real passionate. I'm not really emotional. I'm just not one of those emotional men. I just kind of passionless. I just kind of grunt. <clears throat> I just grunt and burp, burp, pass gas. That's all I do. Grunt, burp, pass gas. I, I don't have no passion. I'm not, I'm not emotional. And listen, every man that would try to tell me, you don't, you're not emotional. You're not passionate. You're so wrong. You're passionate about something in here. Some of you say you don't have any passion. I catch you at an OU football game. <laughs> I catch you at an OSU football game. I catch you at a Thunder basketball game screaming. They start shooting them, them T-shirts. You, be, you don't have any passion. I catch you out hunting and you get, get the deer you want passion. I catch some of you men on the golf course and you get a birdie passion. I catch some of you men that like to fish. You catch you an eight-pound bass passion. Check it out. Passion. Oh, you're passionate about something. And my prayer, my prayer, my prayer, my prayer is this, my prayer is this, is that throughout this series over the next six weeks or so, that God would put a passion in your heart for his kingdom. My prayer, if it's not there, that God would stir a passion in your heart for his kingdom, for him, that you'd fall in love with Jesus. That you'd be the man God's called you to be. You'd be the spiritual leader that God's called you to be. To be God would birth a passion in your heart for the right things. That's my prayer. Jesus is worthy of following because he is passionate about the right things. Number three is this. There's a third quality. You must know about Jesus. You must know. Number three is this. He is sacrificial. He is sacrificial. Notice the next verse. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 13 says, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. 
Some commentaries say the blood dipped on Jesus' robe is the blood of his adversaries who he defeated. Other commentaries say it's Jesus' blood that's dipped on his robe. And you may be asking, why in the world would Jesus' robe be dipped with his own blood? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus gave his life for our sins. He paid the price. Jesus' blood purchased our salvation. He gave his life for us. He is sacrificial. I want you to see the next verse. This is so key that you grasp this next verse. Revelation 19 and verse 14 says this. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Everybody shout white and clean. Notice that. Notice those who were following Jesus, they were dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Why aren't the clothes of those following Jesus dipped in blood? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus paid the price for our sins. We weren't able to pay the price for our own sins. I'm not good enough to make myself clean. You're not good enough to make yourself clean. My blood can't wash away my sins. Your blood can't wash away your own sin. Only Jesus' blood. And yet you'll talk to people and you get in conversation and you say, well, are you going to go to heaven? And there are people that will say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to heaven. How come? Well, and they'll start giving you a long list. Well, I'm a good person. I try to do nice things and I'll try to be kind to people. I mean, I'm, I'm a fairly... I'm a fairly good, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a, I'm a good person. And you know what we mean when we say that, that we're a good person? We like to compare ourselves to other people. And what we mean is, I'm better than the person that I'm thinking about right now. You know, I'm a good person because Uncle Frank, he's a drunk and he steals and cheats. I'm, I'm good compared to Uncle Frank. I can't wait to get to Easter dinner and see Aunt Lily. Aunt Lily, she's still high on crack. I've been on crack for five years. She's still high. I'm better than Aunt Lily. And we think we're good because we think we're better than somebody else that pops in our mind. But the issue is this. You may think you're good, but there's always somebody better. Always. I remember when I was in high school, I was real passionate about making good grades. And I would encourage every high school, junior high, college student, be passionate about making good grades. And, and I remember that I was passionate. My goal, my goal in high school is I wanted to make all A's. I wanted to make all A's. A's. He said, Herbert, did you accomplish that goal? No, I didn't. But I was passionate about it. And, and I graduated high school and I made three B's in high school. And I was so proud of myself. Graduated with a 3.9 GPA and I felt so good. I was kind of arrogant about it. Yeah, how, how'd you do it? Let me see your report card. Yeah, yeah. All A's and three B's. Check, check it out now. Oh, smart. Smart. Got it going. Felt so good about myself. I felt, you know why I felt good? Because I was looking at everybody else who had, who had worse grades than me, who, had, who didn't have as a high a GPA as I did. So I felt good about myself because I did better than them. And even though I graduated with a 3.9 GPA, I still wasn't valedictorian. <laughs> I still wasn't salutatorian. There were people who still did better than me. I felt good about myself, but there was somebody better. And then I went and took the ACT. I only took the ACT once. And I went to the ACT and I made a 17 on it. Oh, you can laugh. I said it right. I made a 17 on the... How? You said, Herbert, how in the world could you graduate with a 3.9 GPA and make a 17 on the ACT? I don't know how, but I did. I did. 
Yeah, when you see me in the lobby, just call me dumb. You are a dummy. You st- I, I didn't do good. And, you know, people would sit around in high school and they start talking about, yeah, man, I just took the, I just took the ACT. I got my scores back. And they would talk about, yeah, I got a 24. Yeah, I got, I, I, I got a 21. Oh, yeah, I got a 27. And I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a 3.9 GPA. Because <laughs> I did good in one area, but, but I didn't do good in another area. Isn't that true? See, we can be good in another area. And even though we're good in this area, there's somebody better. And yet in a whole other area, we're failing. But we think we're good. And the truth of the matter is, none of us are good. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. The scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 12. All, everybody shout all. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. You say, well, Herbert, if you get around me, man, you may think differently. I'm a good person. I treat people right. And, and Paul knew there might be somebody who think, that, thought, that thought they were an exception. And so he went on and added this, not even one. <laughs> Just in case you thought you slipped through, not even one is good. Don't you think you can get into heaven because you're good? None of us are good. And it's dangerous to compare yourself with other people. Here's the danger in that. It's because our standard is not each other. Our standard is not our neighbor, our friend, our relatives, our co-worker. Our standard is Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. Jesus never sinned. And when it comes to the real standard, and the real standard is Jesus, we all fall short. We all miss the mark. The scripture says it like this in Romans 3 and verse number 23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus. He's the standard. He's the bar. Listen, and we all have fallen short because he was perfect and we are not. So we've all fallen short. And so that's why we thank God for Jesus. That he was sacrificial and he paid the price for our sins. Because we aren't good enough to get into heaven. We aren't good enough to clean ourselves up. We aren't good enough to be right before God. Thank God for Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. There we go again with the attribute faithful. He says, The firstborn from the dead. He was the first one that rose again from the dead and is alive and well. And the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his, by his blood. His robe was dipped in blood because his blood washes us as white as snow. Jesus is sacrificial. Men and women, he's worthy of following. Number four is this. There's a fourth attribute you need to know about Jesus. Number four is this. He is king. He is king. The next verse says this, Revelations 19 and verse 15 and 16. It says, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He's not a wimp. He's not a pushover. He strikes down the nations. He will rule them. He'll rule and reign with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You look around our world and you see kings all around. I want you to know that Jesus is king over every king. You look around our world and you see lords and rulers. Jesus is lord over every lord and he's ruler over every ruler. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Jesus is the ultimate, the ultimate fighter. 
the ultimate fighter. How many of you in this place, I'm not talking about boxing now, not boxing. How many of you like ultimate fighting? Yeah, anybody in here? It's all right. I'm giving you permission. Y'all know you're in church. It's all right. Lift your hand. Okay. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I like ultimate fighting. I love it. Hit him. Kick him. Punch him in his mouth. Trip him. Make him bleed. Pull his hair. Give me see some blood. I said, well, aren't you the pastor? I can't be. Well, I like it. I know I'm the pastor, but I like it. Get him. I'll really freak you out. My wife likes ultimate fighting too. Hit him. Kick him. Slap him. I will fool around, make, him, make some microwave popcorn and scream at the TV, man. Punch him. I like some ultimate fighting. And you know when an ultimate fighter steps into a ring, the ultimate fighter is, doesn't step into the ring. His goal is not the fellowship. His goal is not to drink coffee with his opponent and to chit-chat about how their life's been. Uh-uh. When an ultimate fighter steps into the ring, he has one purpose, and that's to do battle with his adversary. And you know what the one goal of an ultimate fighter is? Is to see his or her opponent fall to the ground in defeat and to stand over their opponent and have their arms raised in victory. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus took Satan's best shot. He took his best shot. And the Bible says that Jesus took his best shot. He was beaten. He was spit upon. A crown of thorns was put upon his head. He was talked about. And they hung him on a cross. Nails through his hands. Nails through his feet. A spear through his side. He took Satan's best. He hung. He bled. He died. And the Bible says on that third day morning, he got up victoriously. I, I love being a father and my oldest son, he just started school this year. And Tiffany and I, it's a great joy to watch him grow and learn and real passionate about learning and having fun in school. And, and most mornings I, I go, go get up and pray and spend first thing in the morning praying and reading my Bible. Not every morning, but, but most mornings I do. And and there are some mornings, Kale will come out of, him and his brother will come out of their bedroom. They've already woken up and they'll come in the bed and wake us up or come in the office and let me know they're awake. And, and that's cool, but I'll tell you what I really love. I love when I come out the office and they're still sleeping and I get to go in their bedroom. And you parents, anybody that has, is a parent, you know this feeling. There's nothing like watching your kids sleep. You're like, that's my boy. That's my girl. That, that's my kid. And I love it. And I look, just look to walk and just watch them for five and 10 minutes. Just watch my boys. That's my boys. But I know Kel has to get ready for school. And, and I don't want to wake Kate up. And I just walk over to Kel's bed. Say, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. It's time to get up. It's morning time. It's time to get up. And Kel opens those eyes up. And you parents know this. If you're a parent and when your kids were little, if they're little now, there's nothing like when your kid wakes up in the morning. They're so happy. They're so full of life and energy. They're so excited to take on the day. And you parents know this feeling. You're like, how come you can't go to bed like you wake up? You know what I'm talking about? Because <laughs> they're so happy. And there are times I, I'll grab Kel out of his bed. I don't want to wake his brother up. And Kel will wrap his arms around my neck and I got my boy. And I take him and start getting him ready for school. And Jesus hung, bled, and died. The Bible says they took him off that cross. 
they buried him in a borrowed tomb. They rolled the stone over the tomb. Jesus died a horrific death. He paid the price, a horrific price. The price was so horrible, he carried the weight of the sin on his shoulders of the world. His father had to turn his back on him. And as Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb, the demons were screaming. Satan thought he had won. They're high-fiving. They're excited. We defeated Jesus. He's a defeated foe. Day one goes by. Day two goes by. They're high-fiving. They're psyched up. They're excited. And early that third day morning, I can just see God the Father as he steps out of glory, as he steps out of heaven. And he comes to earth. And the stone is rolled away. And I can just see God the Father stepping into that tomb. And he sees his boy, dad. And I can just see God the Father getting down on a knee and just saying to Jesus, Hey, son, it's time to get up. The night is over. The night is over. It's time to get up. And Jesus got up out of that grave he defeated at death hell and the grave and he rose king of kings and lord of lords he's victorious he's today seated at the right hand of the father and there's an open heaven and he wants to wash away your sins jesus is king of kings the ultimate fighter let's pray lord thank you so much for your word and your prayer.